Girl, this one was directed by our friend Sky Borgman. Uh, hi, Sky. Sky, how are you? You look fantastic. You smell amazing. What is that? You guys, before we get to the show, just a reminder, if you want more Jillian and me, join us on the Patreon, where at the $5 level, you get over 150 full bonus episodes. Ad-free, by the way, girl. Yeah, I feel like we don't say that enough. That's an important point. I know. Ad-free. Download and binge right this second. That's like a year's worth of you and me extra on the Patreon. If that's something you're into, I can't imagine why it would be, but if you're into it, come hang with us, won't you? We just finished The Vow. We did Tiger King, Don't F with Cats, Fear City, I'll Be Gone in the Dark. Yes. Serial, uh, Making a Murderer, The Staircase, The Jinx, Lorena, Menendez Brothers, Lacey Peterson, Jody Arias, everything you've ever wanted us to cover in the long form, it's all right there on the page. Yeah, did we mention it's ad free? Oh, right, we did. <laughs> Girl, give them a quick reminder about your show. Oh, yeah. So Mike wrote a radio play. We got all our Hamilton and Freestyle Love Supreme friends. Well, some of them. It's not a big cast. And you. It's and- called Twas the Night. It's a radio play. It's, you know, we're a holiday cheer. We are releasing it totally for free. If you can, donate money to the Actors Fund. That's a suggestion. But it's something for free. No paywall. We're just trying to be cheerful. God damn it. They get it on the Hamilcast feed, right? Go subscribe to the Hamilcast and then you get it right away. Yeah. December 14th. The trailer's out. It's great. You are in it being PQ. So it's fantastic. Thank you. You guys, I star as additional voices. I'm very excited. You're great. And of course, your voice just cuts through everyone else's because <laughs> Mike cast Patrick and I in the bar scene because it's a real reach. And of course, I was just listening to one of our drafts today and you cut right through, girl. Look, I was saying to Mike, I'm like, I'm being too loud. I know I am. He's like, I have the volume control. It's fine. Yeah. And I looked at him and I was like, because we, of course, on Zoom and I was like, he's a pro. He knows how loud yeah. to yeah. be. We do this every week on a little podcast called True Crime Obsessed. I don't know if you've been in the Facebook group lately, but literally every member of the group has gotten Liquid Ivy. <laughs> I keep seeing all these pictures. I think they're sponsored ads, but they're just our listeners buying Liquid IV. If you're not aware, Liquid IV is a hydration multiplier. You use it for a million reasons after your workouts, for your hangovers. Sometimes they happen at the same time on the same day. Here's the thing, though. You know how much I love winter, right? Yes. The one thing that's kind of like iffy about winter is that I feel like I'm always thirsty. Yes. My lips get really dry. I kind of dry out. Liquid IV helps with that too. Yeah. Like when I was drinking just water, I was like, I can't not feel thirsty. Like I feel like I'm not hydrated. Liquid IV solved that problem for me. And the thing is, it's like super tasty. There's no caffeine. You just pour your little packet into your bottle of water. It like doubles the effect of mm-hmm. a bottle of water on your body. Can you even imagine that? And they have really great flavors like watermelon, which you would think, but they also like for the wintery seasons, they have apple pie. I mean, they have <laughs> apple pie all the time, but what a flavor if you want to feel cozy with your Liquid IV. Look, you guys know that I should be taking it for the workouts. I really do take it for the hangovers. When you wake up, you've had a few too many the night before. The headache goes away almost instantly. Mm-hmm. You literally feel it going into your body, like replacing the toxins. It's true. <laughs> and you can feel the headache, like even if it's creeping on, yeah. you take Liquid IV and before you know it, you're like, oh, that headache ran away. Liquid IV is available nationwide at Walmart in the beverage section, or you can get 25% off when you go to liquidiv.com and use code TCO at checkout. Right. That's 25% off anything you order when you use promo code TCO at liquidiv.com. You guys get better hydration today at liquidiv.com, promo code TCO. And then have that extra eggnog, you guys. (laughs) And then the next morning, slurp, slurp. (laughs) 
right, girl, what are we talking about today? We are talking about Unsolved Mysteries, The Lady in the Lake. Sky Borgman, hi. It's a, I just, Sky. I'm so happy for Sky. This is another Sky Borgman production. She's pretty great. I know, she's pretty amazing. I don't know if you've heard the news about Sky Borgman, but we're fans. <laughs> If you don't know, she directed Abducted in Plain Sight. Yes. So here's the thing, like the cold open of this before the credits, right? Or like before the creepy unsolved music. Yes. You want to tell us what scared you out of your pants? Yeah. And you know, it's one of those, it's peak sky, peak (laughs) unsolved, where the first thing in my notes is it opens with a car alarm going off and I'm anxious. That's number one. (laughs) And like right before the credits, someone asked like, who did your mom fear? And the answer is... That's a sensitive subject at this time. I'm sorry, (laughs) what? Yeah, it's this weird thing where, like, in the opening, we're going to find out that this woman is Michelle, the daughter of, like, the missing person. And her family was told that the mom left the church in the pitch black, freezing cold weather, walked across the street into a foot of freezing cold water to take her own life. And she's like, no, that doesn't make any sense. And that's the whole setup for this episode. Yeah, we are <laughs> we're in Michigan, right? We're at Gross Point, Michigan. Yeah. And it is so cold there. And they drive that point home so much that I am cold just thinking about <laughs> yeah. it, which I I appreciate, as you know. It's like an ember wave just watching it, girl. That's exactly right. That's exactly it. And I was just like, wow. And it's just a credit to Sky, too. It's just like, why do I feel cold watching something? I know. So we open with a deposition or something. I don't really know what this is. I have that, too. I'm like, here's like Chief Daniel Jensen is being, and then I just have interviewed, deposed. I don't know, but he's the director of public safety. And he walks us through this harrowing ordeal. Where was her car found? It was on a one-way exit drive adjacent to the church, approximately 100 feet from the lakeside. It was the only car on that exit drive. It was almost 10 o'clock at night. The church appeared dark, and there was really no good reason for it to be there. Yeah, he tells us that they found this woman's car on the driveway. Basically, it's a parking lot of a church, right? And the geography of this, and Sky gives us lots of maps. Thank you, girl. <laughs> the church is like right up against sort of like a four-lane highway. And on the other side of the four-lane highway is like an embankment to a river. Yeah, and he's saying like, it's 10 o'clock. It's in a weird place. He just says like, there's no good reason for this car to be where it is, how it's parked and what's going on. Because like there was a purse found in the car and an officer saw footprints going down to the water, to this lake, this freezing cold body of water. And then I'm like, oh, Okay, I understand what they're saying, but okay. So then they go, the prints, the footprints to the water, they say it looked like someone sat down in the snow and sort of like scooted themselves down the hill because they keep saying footprints and butt Butt prints prints. and (laughs) handprints. So it'd be like footprints led to butt prints and handprints and then butt prints and handprints. And they were like, the footsteps went away and it was just hands and butts. Just the fact that this guy has to say as part of his like deposition on the Sand River has to say the word butt prints. (laughs) I know, but numerous times. And now we get to say butt prints. Yeah, So what they're recognizing is that, like, whosever car this is looks like that person, like, butt-printed themselves down this embankment into the water to kill themselves. And so now there's, like, a search is, like, immediately called. And all of a sudden, like, there's hundreds of, like, cops and firefighters on the scene trying to find this lady. It was confirmed immediately by all three officers on the scene. They sincerely believe there was a person in the water. It went to immediate request for help for a search and rescue operation. We have a possibility, a good chance that we may be able to save a life. Yeah, it immediately becomes a search and rescue mission. And someone says, we have a good chance we can save a life. And I'm like, that is optimism you rarely hear. (laughs) I know. 
in any kind of true crime anything. The other thing about that, though, means that, like, they think that, like, she butt-slid herself into this water recently enough that they're going to find her. Right, right, right. And, like, just to, like, reiterate how fucking freezing fucking cold it is there. And pitch black, by the way. There's no lights on this lake. Yes. Like, they're just going to be waiting around in this, like, sub-zero lake looking for this woman. All right, so the woman who's missing, her name is Joanne Romaine. Yeah. And we meet Michelle Romaine, Joanne's (laughs) daughter. I was 29, my sister Kelly was 27, and my brother Michael was 20. My mom and my dad were separated, and they didn't really get along that well. Me and my siblings, we all live together with my mom. Everybody, shut up. She's not here for your shit. She's not here for my shit. Don't even, like, you know that moment sometimes you have where it's like, should I give this person shit? Don't even get to that step. Take five steps back from that. Michelle is not here for it. Not to mention the fact, do not step out of line because Michelle keeps notes about everybody. So we'll get to that later. But you do not want to get on Michelle's list. She's the Jillian of the episode. Don't get on her list. (laughs) Well, she also does this thing where, like, because she's so in it, and I probably would turn into this person, too. Yeah. What do you mean turn into this? You are this. You are Michelle. Hear me out, though. Okay. Because what she does is she's like, um, and then she drove her vehicle. Like, she does the, like, official speak yes. because she's been so in this. So I think maybe eventually I would turn into the person who I, like, lightheartedly tease on this podcast, <laughs> never make fun of. And just be like, um, they apprehended the vehicle with yeah. the suspect and the perpetrator. <laughs> they also refer to the car as the Lexus the entire time. They don't say my mom's car. The Lexus. Or even the vehicle. When it's Michelle. Michelle or Kelly, the other daughter talking, it's always the Lexus. As long as it's not automobile, I'm fine. I just, I'm like, you had money. We know you had money. We got it, Michelle. (laughs) And that designer purse, please. We'll get to it. I know. And by the way, I am here for Michelle. I love her. I think like, if you go missing, Michelle is who you want looking for you, you guys. Uh, Agreed. So Michelle walks us through Joanne's last known movements. Is that a professional enough for you, Michelle? Sure. Sorry, I love you. Sorry, I love you. (laughs) That night, my mom had a 7 p.m. prayer service that she would attend, and at this point, it's 9.20. And my brother's upstairs sleeping, and I'm getting, you know, just put my pajamas on. So Michelle is telling us about the night that the mom goes missing, and she's saying that, like, she was at home, and her sister and brother were at home, and, like, the brother was asleep, and Michelle was getting into her PJs. Once again, I am here for this family. I love these siblings. Like, Michelle's, like, 29 years old at the time. Kelly's, like, 27, 28. The brother's, like, in his early 20s. Why do you live at home. I know it's a nice house, you guys. But like, is it time to leave the nest or no? Well, I thought maybe it was some kind of winter break because it's January. Okay, sure. But she's 29, girl. Winter break from what? That's right. (laughs) No, I love them. And look, we see the exterior of the house. And I'm assuming if it's not the actual house, it's like a house very similar. And the mom is recently divorced and the family is very close. Michelle, I'm just joking. I'm just saying that like, when you live in like this rich town, Michelle's word not mine, so it's okay to say. And like, you live in that huge house, I guess you just never leave. Totally fine, Michelle. I'm glad you were there. <laughs> so but she tells us that like... And I see a car come around the corner. I was like, oh, there's mom. And I looked out and it was a police officer. She hears a car pulling up outside and she thinks like, oh, it's mom. Because remember, mom was supposed to be at church that night and then she was coming home. But it's not the mom. It's a cop showing up to tell everybody that the mom is missing. Yeah. And they say that she's not there, but they found her car now known as the Lexus in the parking lot. And like that is so fucking terrifying. So we also meet Kelly Romaine, who's Michelle's sister and Joanne's daughter. And she's like, we start calling her phone like that second. 
and her phone's going right to voicemail. So her her phone's off. We just start calling mom immediately. Like we just start calling her. Of course, that's the first thing you do, right? Yeah. And she just says, it's not even ringing. It's just going straight to voicemail. Yeah. And they're calling all the friends and they're like, anybody that mom might've gone to coffee with, it's such a church thing. It's like church and AA are the two places you go and then you go for coffee after. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> yes. And then we also learned that Joanne and her husband are separated and they do not get along. No, and I kind of loved learning this about Joanne because like badass Michelle is saying, My mom and my dad, they were married a long time, 25 years. Towards the end, the reason they separated was she just got to a point she was fed up and, you know, she just wanted to live like a peaceful, happy life instead of a toxic, you know, argumentative household. My mom, like my parents had a bad marriage and my mom was like sick of living like that. I know, which I was like, yes. I do have a lot of questions and I also have Sky Borgman's cell phone number so I feel like I can get the answers to a lot of these questions. Call her up. But like, I do want to know where this family gets their money. Like we learned that the mom works part-time in a boutique like downtown and you totally get the sense that that's just a for fun job. <laughs> but like, you know what I mean? Like this family has money and I'm just curious where it comes from. That's all. Yeah. Well, we meet John, Joanne's brother, who I think. Yeah. I mean, I, he knows way more than he lets on, but you know, his nieces call him super freaked out. He's like, oh my God, what? And they go right to the church where her car was. Yeah. And we learn from John, you know, like she was my favorite sister, like hands down. I and know. I'm like, oh. Cause she knows where all the bodies are buried, John. Look, I know you've been through a tragedy here, John. On, but like, I don't know. I had my eye on him from the second we met him, you know? Yeah. I was kind of like, what do you know, girl? What do you know, girl? I know. And we're a little, we're super, a little, we're super jaded. Right. Like every time we see someone, totally. I'm like, what's with you? What is that? Was that a smirk I see? What, what's going on there? He just doesn't quite seem like sad enough. And everyone grieves in their own way. And I totally know that. But like, he's telling the story just a little too matter of factly. That's all. Yeah. And again, he knows we'll get to him later. He has a whole thing. So we're we're like all at the church now. Yeah, and I just wanted to point out that like Michelle is going to tell us. We're all running around the ground of the church, you know, and we are just searching through every spot you could possibly get into inside the building, outside the building. They were running around like me, like, Bob, 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 like all over the church, all over the parking lot. And you know how you always hear in stories like this, the cops being like, ma'am, I need you to like get in the car and go home talking to me. Like, ma'am. Stop being so hysterical. Ma right, yeah, yeah. It sounds like the family was just allowed to like run around the scene of the crime and like poke the cops in the arm and ask them questions. Yeah, I got that vibe too, which again, I think is like how it should be. I mean, like <laughs> Paul Holes would be to like, absolutely not. We need evidence. <laughs> like you can't just have people running and screaming through a crime scene. And I'm like, now hold on a second. How dare you? Put on that blazer. The, so the car was parked in the driveway of the church. The car is locked. The keys were nowhere to be found at that time. Her cell phone was missing. Her purse is on the front seat. She's never left her purse behind. So when I saw the purse in the car, I was extremely nervous at that point. This makes everyone nervous, and that's including myself, because nothing about this makes any sense. Like, No, I have two things to say. I forgot to say this earlier. They say straight up to the family. They basically said, we think that your mom walked from the car to the water and committed suicide. She walked into the lake and she killed herself. Right. Any more questions? Like, that's like literally how they treat this family. And they think that because across the four-lane highway between the church and the lake, there's like butt impressions and foot impressions leading down to the water. Right. They just assume it's hers. You guys, we see the photos of the 
butt and foot impressions. The mom was wearing high heel boots. You don't see, like, I was analyzing these photos and I was like, right. that's a very specific shoe. And I saw no evidence, girl. Yeah, well, and Michelle is like, and another thing, yeah. if I may, she pulls out her notepad. She's yeah. like, look, it's January. It was freezing cold, remember? The water was partially frozen and the water was so shallow that you could see the rocks underneath it even at night. It was like one to two feet deep. So they're like, explain how that works. Well, she would have to like walk through the water to get to any deep waters to do something horrible. Also, and like, you guys, we have a lot more to get through. Now I have a bunch more things before we get to the rest of it. Okay. Number one, that's not an effective way to kill yourself. No. I'm not making a joke. She's a smart woman. Like, how do you do that and like make that work to kill yourself? Number one. You don't. No. Number two, all of a sudden, like everyone is on the scene. All the cops, all the firefighters, the helicopters, everyone is searching. And they make it very clear that this lake is very shallow and it's very shallow for several hundred feet straight out. Right. So like if she had been there, she would still be unsuccessfully trying to kill herself in the lake and they would have seen her. Yes. Also, and last out of context point, this woman had no reason to kill herself. No. Like also, they never give me any reason as to why this woman would have taken her life. So I am Michelle. Like, why are you saying that? Right. Like, why makes you think that? Because now we get like some more of the evidence. It's like there were no signs of a struggle either around the car or in the car. There were no signs of any, for example, torn clothing, uh, items on the ground, purse dumped, car ransacked, scuff marks or drag marks uh, around the scene, blood, bullet casings, or any type of evidence that would lead one to believe that a crime occurred. Well, you know, there were no signs of a struggle. And what the cops are trying to say is like, there's no evidence to indicate a crime had occurred. And I'm like, well, isn't that your job? Just look. I know. know. You can't just go like, it's so insulting to a lot of people, actually, now that I'm on the subject to just be like, oh, we it's not an easy solve. Oh, I guess we'll just check suicide. Like, do you know how fucked up that is to just make that assumption? Yeah, especially when like this scene could so easily have been staged. You know what I mean? Yes. Like the butt prints and the footprints leading down into the water. Like it does seem like they just immediately jumped to suicide and then put on blinders. Right. And especially because like we learn about Joanne and we learn about this town of Gross Point. Yeah. It's a suburb bordering Detroit. It is a very rich community, a very tight community. Everybody knows everybody's business. If you were born there, you're basically raised there and you stay there. Nobody ever truly leaves Gross Point. And they're like, it's super rich. I mean, Michelle says it. That's the first word Michelle uses to describe her hometown. <laughs> yeah, it's like super tight-knit. Everybody knows everything. And there's like a little, a little. you could hear how she's like, if you're born there, you stay there. Right. No one ever really leaves Gross Point. Like for better or worse, yeah. Yeah. this is it for you. Travel down the road back again. Girl! Thrive Market is back. All right, you guys, if you don't know Thrive Market, it's an online membership-based market on a mission to make healthy living easy and affordable for everyone. So I got to tell you, girl, I've really been using this because I have to eat gluten-free. Like, that is my life. That is my diet. And it's very hard to go to, like, a grocery store in my neighborhood and find anything good or any abundance of it. So I go to Thrive Market. I get, like, gluten-free bread, gluten-free chips, gluten-free pasta, gluten-free snacks. And they have stuff for all different ways of living. They have, like, vegan stuff and they've got keto 
stuff and they've got paleo stuff. It's just kind of a one-stop shop for the healthy livings among us. When you have dietary restrictions like that, that can really add up and get super expensive. And the thing is, you get guaranteed savings and member-only prices. Yeah. Thrive Market members save an average of $32 on every order. When you have a dietary restriction and you go to a grocery store, they only have some stuff. Thrive Market has everything, you guys. They have like high-quality, healthy, sustainable products. They also have beauty products and home products, cleaning products. I love the cleaning products. I love knowing what I'm getting, as you know. Cruelty-free and vegan. It's all good stuff. And you guys, also, in addition to membership matching, Thrive Market has raised over $1 million to date through their COVID-19 relief fund. Yeah, so go to thrivemarket.com slash TCO. And if you join today, you'll get a free gift of your choosing up to $24 in value. You guys, it's T-H-R-I-V-E market.com slash TCO to start your risk-free membership and get a free gift today. Thrivemarket.com slash TCO. Do it. Do it! I don't like telling anybody how to live, but you should do it. We also learn about the mom. Like, the mom had a thriving social life, a ton of friends. We learn about their house. You know, it's like the kind of house I want to have for Daisy. It's like, it was the house to go to. All the friends were always over. That's the house I grew up in. Yeah, exactly. Like, dinner parties and piano parties. And it was just like, that was this, it was like a very social lifestyle that Joanne had. Which is not to say that, like, people who suffer from depression and who end up taking their own lives don't, like, fake it or put on a happy face or whatever. Like, I understand that that can be true, too. It just doesn't seem like that's what happened here. Right, right. So now we meet the first of three private investigators. <laughs> what did I say? Michelle is on top of it. She's not fucking around. This guy's name is Salvatore Rus. How do you say his last name? Rustrelli, I'm thinking. Okay. Or, or, Rustrelli, or whatever. And so Michelle tells us, I hired Salvatore Rustrelli to come out as an expert crime scene investigator and also as a water expert to help solve this case. He isn't like the most fun PI we've ever encountered on this, but yeah. he is like very serious about it, which you know I love. Like he's yes. super into being a PI. <laughs> and you know, like as we've as we've mentioned, when the cops get on the scene, they rule it a suicide right away. And he's like, look, everything after that is geared towards proving a theory of a suicide. So Sal's like, <laughs> not me. Well, and he says he's covered cases like this all over the country. And like, that's how he knows this. And I'm like, Sal, what is your backstory, girl? Yeah. Like, where did you come from? He also is like two completely different people when he's out in the field in like his like field clothes where he's like doing the research. Yes. And then when he's like sitting for his interview and he's like in a suit. Yes. And it wasn't until my second watching that I was like, oh, that's the same person. It's the same guy. I yeah. thought the same thing. So they're saying that like, remember the footprints they saw leading down to the water and that snowy little bank? Yes. Sal is like, oh, the cops totally screwed this up. All you see is basically something walked through and it could have been anybody or anything based on those photographs. The one thing they didn't do, which is, is elementary in footwear impression work, is to take 90-degree photographs. In other words, you know, you set a camera up on a tripod and shoot a picture straight down on top with a scale in it so you can enlarge that image to actual size and then compare it. Because he's like, oh, they should have taken all of these 90 degree photos, like shoot the picture from above with the measurements, like everything we've ever seen on any CSI or Law and Order. Like, And he's saying, because then you can blow them up and do like an actual comparison to a known shoe. Like they knew the shoe that the mom was wearing, right? Yeah, and Sal goes, this is elementary. <laughs> so he's like, any cop worth their weight and whatever, never would have skipped this step. Like, thank God I'm here. But it does seem real. That seems true. And it does seem like on the scene, 
scene. It was as though when they got to the church the night they found the car, the lieutenant was like, you gotta figure out what happened in five minutes or less. Yeah, they set one of those like gigantic digital timers on top of the car and they were just like, bing, like we have until the alarm sounds for us to come up. Like, do your job, do your job. I know. So speaking of the footprints, you know that embankment she walked down with the ice and snow? Yeah. They, Sal has some woman wearing these like skinny, skinny, skinny four inch stiletto heels trying to go down this hill at an angle. I was kind of curious to see what it would be like for a woman wearing similar shoes to traverse this. It was dark. Okay, here we go. And it was full of snow and ice. And she was wearing shoes like you're wearing, mm -hmm. which obviously is difficult for you and well, difficult for me. At least let's have both go in. So we're there, we're on the scene. And so Sal is standing on this embankment and he's like, Sal is wearing jeans. Right. And he goes, I'm wondering what it would have been like for a woman to do this, to try to get down the embankment in those shoes. We then see Sal sit down and a person going to put on these stiletto heels wearing jeans. I thought it was Sal. <laughs> I thought Sal was putting on the boots and he was going to do this himself. Oh my God. Scott, you missed an opportunity, girl. <laughs> I know. But instead, they have this poor woman who I, I was know. so stressed out. I was like, she's going to break her ankle. She's going to fall and snap her neck because first of all, there's no snow. It's the middle of the summer. So like, that's the other thing. It's like this gorgeous summer day. And she's holding on to Sal for dear life. They both almost I fall know. over like 10 times. It's really steep. And she's, she's really trying to like inch by inch her way down. Like, she's holding on, she's pushing her body weight against Sal, who's walking backwards down this embankment. And she at one point goes, oh God, don't let both of us fall in. I want to see the piece of paper that that woman signed, because totally. it, it, I mean, she signed her life away yes. to do this for Unsolved Mysteries. And all jokes aside, she could have seriously injured herself doing this. Yes, absolutely. And all for nothing, because <laughs> this is what made me create, this is later on, they don't even mention it, so I'm going to bring it up now. As they're going through, we learn about the purse and like what Joanne was wearing. The boots that Joanne was wearing the night she went missing look nothing like these four inch <laughs> skinny, skinny, skinny stiletto heels. She was wearing like booties with a little chunky heel. Yeah. They have this woman in like patent leather, hot as shit dominatrix boots scooting down inch by inch to her death and she's going to take Sal with her. And then when she gets to the bottom and she feels like she's finally on solid ground, she like rolls her ankle. Yes. Let me tell you, I don't know how anyone walks in heels like that. I never could be able to do it. No, but like, where did they find this? Well, who is she? Is she an extra? Or does she know the family? Like, where did they find her? And why didn't Michelle or someone say, um, those weren't the boots my mom wore. Not even close. And, and all of that to say, she still couldn't. It's so steep with the snow and everything. It doesn't matter what kind of boots or booties or the heel. And it's impossible that she would be able to like walk her way down there. Yeah. When I saw the jeaned leg putting on the boot and I thought it was Sal, oh my I was God. like, Sky Elizabeth Borgman. <laughs> you either did this fully for me or you weren't thinking at all when you did that it wasn't him. And then it was that it's Sky. Right? Well, that was my journey when we just see a quick clip of what the boot actually looked like. I know. I know. It's like, what well, this woman is a teacher. I know. I know. Like, Sky's just a documentarian. She's just here to film what they're doing. She's not making any suggestions. And I bet Sky was behind the camera that day being like, you've got to be fucking kidding me. You've, you're kidding me with this, right? right? Really? I really? Okay. You know you got Sky Borgman for this, right? Like, do you know what to get this right. is? And you're do okay. It's not even the right boot, but okay, who am I? I'm not, I'm not even here. I'm not even here. I'm a fly on the wall. Travel down. Calm is back. 
tell us everything. You know I love Calm. Calm is that app that helps you sleep. It helps you meditate. It just sort of gets you grounded and centered. Do you hear my calm voice? The thing is, you guys, this is a really hard time of year for me to sleep. It's like busy with work. It's busy with the holidays. And that's why we're so excited to partner with Calm because it really helps me like relieve my anxiety. They have a whole library of programs designed for healthy sleep. So I really love the soundscape. So I put on either like the ocean or I put on the river. And honestly, it like soothes me right to sleep. It really makes such a big difference. I'm the same, but with my thunderstorm sounds, as I call them, I fall asleep so well and so hard. I don't remember falling asleep. Yeah. As someone who has trouble sleeping, I know that feeling of like, well, I guess I'm not sleeping with calm. I'm like, oh, I wake up and it's the morning. And I'm like, oh, where'd nighttime go? The other morning I remarked to Steve, I was like, I slept so hard last night. Sometimes I think it's another like realm of existence. Oh, <laughs> so that's so nice. Thanks, Calm. Also, you guys, over 85 million people around the world use Calm to take care of their minds and get better sleep, including GP and me. So for listeners of the show, Calm is offering a special limited time promotion of 40% off a Calm premium subscription at calm.com slash TCM. You guys, that's 40% off unlimited access to Calm's entire library and new content is added every week. And I promise you, none of it is my voice. <laughs> yes, that's absolutely right. Laura Dern. I can't believe we didn't mention Laura Dern. <laughs> so get started today at calm.com slash TCO. That's calm.com slash TCO. Again, you're not going to find me there, I promise. Yeah, no. <laughs> Please rest easy knowing that voice will not be keeping you up at night. <laughs> Girl, Homer is back. I'm going to do most of the talking here because we love Homer in my house. This is that kid-powered learning system where I wish I would have had it when I was a kid. Homer is the essential early learning program for kids ages two to eight. You know, it's especially great right now when kids are learning mostly remote. You know, your kids don't need to be struggling to benefit from Homer. My kid happens to be struggling a little bit with reading and writing, and Homer has really helped her to keep up. So it's an app, right? And basically, you do a little assessment. You figure out where your kid is at. Then Homer designs like a learning program for them. They think they're playing games. Sneaky, sneaky, Homer. I know. And they get to pick the characters that they follow. Like Daisy follows the princesses and the unicorns. And the thing is like, it's little games where the app can hear her. So she'll have to talk to it. She'll have to say a word or spell a word. Homer will correct her if she's not getting it exactly right. Oh, cool. It's so much more than like the learning tools we grew up with. This is really interactive. It's comprehensive. It's safe. There's no like ads for the kids to click on or for them to like navigate away from what they're supposed to be doing. And this is the part I always talk about its research backed you guys they say that the learn and grow app is proven to increase reading scores by 74 percent with just 15 minutes per day ellen was just saying that daisy read to her on facetime a few days ago which she did daisy was completely incapable of that like four or five months ago when we started homer and like it's really made a big difference that's so great and i totally credit it to homer it's perfect for these times when like none of the kids are really getting all of what they would be getting at school homer is a great supplement you guys so if this was around in my day you know how I'd get it. I'd visit learnwithhomer.com slash TCO. I would start my free 60-day trial. That's right, you guys. So visit learnwithhomer.com slash TCO to start your free 60-day trial. Your kid's going to love it. My kid loves it. What else do you need to know? Nothing. I think our job is done here, right? We did it. <laughs> So now Michelle gives us her timeline of like what the mom was doing the night that she disappeared. My mom dropped my brother off at home and told him, I'm gonna go fill up gas for the next morning. I'll be right back. There was a prayer service at 7 p.m. It was about 15 to 20 minute prayer service. From what we know, after she went to get gas, she decided to go to the church and she departed at 7.15. 
when the surface ended. 6 p.m., she dropped Michelle's brother off at home, told him that she was going to get gas. She goes to the gas station. We meet Mike from the gas station, who I'm leaving my family for. I mean, Mike from the gas station. <laughs> I think he has some competition because I was like, Joanne's even friends with the guy at the gas station? <laughs> I know. <laughs> Joanne was a really good friend of ours and a good customer for a very long time. Um, we just had our normal conversations. How's the day going? How's the family? You know, talking about her daughters and so on and so forth. And then she was on her way and that was it. He literally refers to her as a friend. Right, because he's like, we've known each other forever. She's like a regular at that gas station. And again, so a city hick, I'm like, well, no, I guess that does make sense. You go to the same gas station that's near your home. Like, that's not weird at all. I know. Does he get invited to the Christmas party or no? Absolutely. Yeah. Oh my God, for sure. And he walks in, Mike from the gas station. Hey, Mike, no. So by 7 p.m., Joanne is at church and there are like 10 or 15 people there. It's a super small service. And a witness says she leaves at 7.15. And I'm like, that's pretty quick for a mass, no? I noticed that too, because I was like, oh, thank God. Who wants to be at church for longer than 10 minutes? Let's do those speed services. Everyone get behind the speedy mass services. Michelle tells us it was a prayer service. It was actually only like 15 minutes long. Also, Sky, these shots inside the church are gorgeous. Yes. Like this church is so perfectly unsolved mystery. It's scary. It's dark. It's creepy. But it's also beautiful. It's shadowy. It's like, it is so perfectly Unsolved Mysteries. It's fucking amazing. It's true. It's true. And now, so Michelle, within a month of her mom going missing, Michelle hires Bill Randall, retired FBI agent. So you guys, bye, Salvatore. I guess Michelle wasn't super down with your drag queen going down the embankment. She's moving on to the next guy. And you guys, this is not the last person Michelle hires. Originally, when Michelle and Kelly met with me, and told me what had occurred. I said the first thing we needed to do was to get a copy of our mother's cell phone records. There was one number in particular. We called the number and found out it was a security company. So thanks to the phone records, we see that a week before Joanne went missing, she reached out to a security company because Joanne was trying to get in touch with an investigator. I mean, I think that means like she wanted to do some snooping and she wanted a professional to do it for her, right? Right. (laughs) Well, yeah, because we find out. So then John, the brother who I've got my eye on, is saying that like right around that time, right before she went missing, She was acting really troubled, not herself. And he says she wouldn't tell me what the problem was, almost as if if she did, it would be putting me or the kids in jeopardy. And everyone is just saying, like, she was acting weird. That, like, her coworkers are saying she was getting phone calls and she would have to step away and that was unlike her. And, like, Michelle tells us that the only place her mom felt safe was at church. I know. And I'm like, why isn't anyone doing anything about this? Like, that sounds crazy. Yeah, and then, like, enough people knew about something because apparently Joanne thought that someone was intercepting her mail, which is a federal offense, as we've learned. (laughs) And then she was like, yeah, she thought that someone was following her to the post office. She thought her phone was being tapped. But like everyone in her life knows this and no one's doing anything about it. That's what I'm thinking. But the thing is also, this was really starting to come to a head a couple of days before she went missing. I know, but like, let this be a cautionary tale to anybody to whom like, this is happening to somebody in your life. Don't be like, I'm gonna get to the bottom of that tomorrow. Cause yeah, I'm gonna wait till Monday. I'll give it the weekend. Right, right. No, freak out now. Don't wait. Panic right now. (laughs) Look, if I've taught you nothing on this podcast, when in doubt, panic. When in doubt, panic immediately. Just immediately panic. So remember that alarm that made you jump out of your skin in the beginning? Yes. Oh, we're back to it finally. Oh, good. (laughs) (laughs) So we learned that there was a witness at the church that night that heard the alarm on the car at 720. And like the flashing lights saw the whole thing, but it only lasted 15 seconds and they didn't invest 
investigate it because it didn't seem like there was any, like, you know, that just happens sometimes. Sometimes, like, your car alarm just goes off. Right. Or, like, was it that little panic button on the key? Well, that's the other thing. And so at 735, there's another witness that leaves the church and sees that the Lexus isn't there. So the cops come on the scene sometime after 9 o'clock when the Lexus is there. The whole point of this is to say that she left the service at, like, 7.15. This witness comes out at 7.35. Her car isn't there. Right. And then at 9.15, the cops find the car in the parking lot. So it left and came back. It was like someone moved the car and put it close to the very same spot, although not exactly the same spot. So the car left and then it came back. But nobody understood why. How could this have happened? Right. When it came back, it was like close enough to the same spot, but not exact. Like they did do a great job. Or they said that they put it somewhere where it would be noticed. Right, right, right. Yeah, because it was parked on that weird angle. Yeah. So like that's the night that she goes missing. So now it's 70 days later, March 20th, 2010. Michelle gets a call from a detective and they found her mom's body. I got a call from a detective. You need to call me back. At this moment, you know, I'm thinking worst case scenario, like obviously something bad's happened. Michelle comes out of her bedroom and she's like, they found mom. It's like a sinking feeling. Like 70 days later, the body turned up. It was 35 miles away from where the cops allege she entered the water. The body was found in a place called Balbo Island, basically in the Detroit River on the Canada side. So like the Detroit River is the border between Detroit and Canada. Yeah, that threw me for a loop real quick as someone who... <laughs> Even I knew that girl. Doesn't spend a whole lot of time looking at a map. Um, <laughs> I was like, Detroit to Ontario, that's like 800 miles. And then they were like 35. I was like, oh, okay. And now Michelle is on a boat getting shit done with our third investigator that she's hired. This guy, Scott Lewis. He was investigative yeah. reporter for like 25 years in Detroit. And then he retired and he's like, you know what I'm going to do in my spare time? Be a PI. Can I say something about this guy? Yeah. So this guy, Scott Lewis, like he's fine, whatever. He says to the camera. But first, I wasn't sure if this was a kind of case I would want to get into. So what I told Michelle is that if I review your case and I think there's even a chance that this was a suicide, I'm done. But if I find that it was a murder, I'm in. And my question was like, Scott, were you hired just to figure out what happened, girl? Like, why do you care if it's a suicide or a murder? Aren't we just trying to get to the bottom of it, girl? Yeah, well, I think this is a little bit of Michelle coming through, Scott, because Michelle has been through <laughs> it here. And I, she really know, is trying to get to the bottom of it. And so I think he was like, don't fuck me on this, Michelle. Don't lie to me here. <laughs> My time is valuable. <laughs> I am Scott, whatever his last name is. Well, yeah, maybe like he only does murders, but then say that, Scott. Like, my God, this fucking family's just trying to figure out what happened. Yeah, instead of like accusing Michelle of some right. wrongdoing, like totally. Michelle is on top. Don't you worry about Michelle, Scott. She's got it, Scott. But maybe like you could still help this fucking family. Like, don't, and also don't get your finger out of my face, Scott. Yeah. Get your finger out of my face. Scott, I'm sure you had the best intentions, but it did come off great, <laughs> I if I may. So again, it's like this gorgeous, summer day and we're on a boat with Michelle and Scott and they basically traveled the route that Michelle's mom's body would have had to have traveled if the mom had gone into the river where the police said that she did. So for her body to have left that shallow water along the shore with no current, it would have had to somehow get out into that shipping channel in the middle of the lake and then found its way into the Detroit River and 30 miles downriver. 
That's a little bit of a stretch for me. To take you back, the water where the police say Joanne went into the lake was two feet deep for like several hundred yards out. Right. And in order for her to get to where they found her 35 miles away, she would have had to have floated into a shipping channel that you can only get into if you're so far out in the lake, like several hundred yards out, that you get caught up in a current. But the part where they say she went in didn't have any current. So like, it feels impossible to me and it feels impossible to Michelle. And it feels impossible to Scott because this is the moment where Scott's like, all right, I'm in. I'm in. Right. There's no way, like, he's like, I don't believe for one second, one goddamn second that she walked into that lake. And I'm like, Scott, why are you accusing Your everybody face. of everything? I didn't do anything. I want to know what happened to Joanne. I'm on team Michelle. Stop Totally. Yelling and accusing me of everything. I know, I know, I know. Scott is saying that. Also, if the police's theory is correct and she went in the water on that day, like over the course of the 70 days that it took her to get here, remember they did like 10 days of divers and helicopters and ground searches? Like they would have found her. The whole point is that Michelle thinks that her body was dumped in the river sometime later, much closer to Detroit, which made it so that she was able to like get to where they ultimately found her. Right. Oh, this is where we get the evidence photos for five seconds, where this is pretty proof, everyone. At this moment in the show, go back and Unsolved Mysteries and look. Those boots look nothing alike. I'll never stop talking about it. So we meet this guy, Dr. Jeffrey, and he's saying that like... The body was in an advanced state of decomposition such that we couldn't make a definitive determination as to the time of death. But the body may have been there for some time as there was a gray-brown algae and zebra mussels that were stuck to the legs uh, and lower uh, extremities. He can't really determine the official time of death and the body may be there for some time. And he does this thing that the doctors do. Look, doctors are super valuable. We need you. But you do this thing sometimes <laughs> in documentaries. It bothers me because you'll say like, well, you know, it is possible she was dead before, but then again, it is undetermined. And I'm like, I know. It seems like you're all trying to hedge. I'm sure there's a reason for it. I think you're great. Yeah. Uh, you're doing a great job. But he's basically like, it could be honestly anything. I It could be a coincidence at one point. He's like, it could be assault, murder, suicide, an accident, or just a coincidence. Would, would you look at that? Totally. But so Michelle is with us and we're back with the purse. I'm so sorry. It offends your eye senses. They talk about it like it's this like super fancy designer purse and I think it's really ugly, girl. Well, I think all of those things can be true. I think it can be fancy, designer, <laughs> and ugly. Michelle, if you're listening, I don't get fashion. A quick like 411 on me, girl. I am a gay with no taste. Mm -hmm. So obviously you and your fabulous mom have amazing taste and I am wrong. But like the purse is so ugly. It's just, it's black, which at first I'm like, okay, right. check one. <laughs> Great. Um, yeah, it's a big shoulder bag, but it has a lot of like ruffle. It's just like layers and layers of ruffles. Yeah. Right. Is that how you would describe it? It's yeah. not necessarily my thing, but I'm sure it's some fancy designer whose name I can't pronounce and is like a thousand dollars, which is, if that's what you're into, fantastic girl. You just bought yourself a thousand dollar purse. Like, okay, who the hell am I? Don't listen to me. You're doing fine. If you can get a super fancy designer purse that also happens to to be ugly. Like those Hermes, those Birkin bags, I think they're absolutely heinous looking. Totally. But they're like a zillion dollars. I and know. if you can afford I one, know. like good on you. Who the hell am I? Travel down the road back again. Girl, get ready to get fancy. Truff is back, you guys. I don't know if you know about Truff. It is this premium hot sauce with a couple of different variations. It's going to take any dish you're having to the five-star experience. We'd never had it before. We got it, and now we cannot live without it. I know. And one of the things you and I first bonded over was our love of sauces and dipping things yes, in yes. sauces. <laughs> and so Truff is perfect for that because it kind of makes everybody happy. They have the Truff flagship hot sauce, the black truffle hot sauce that started this whole thing. Then they have Truff 
off hotter hot sauce, which is filled with jalapenos. And then they have this premium white truff hot sauce, which is like that super luxurious white truffle thing. So it's really, everyone can be happy with truff. This was on Oprah's list of favorite things two years in a row. That's super rare. You think you can't put hot sauce on like popcorn, but then you get the truff and there it is. I put it on my macaroni and cheese. I basically put it on anything. I can sometimes be a baby about spicy things. I love the flagship hot sauce because it's just enough, but the truffle flavor sort of mellows it out just enough so that I can put it on absolutely everything. Also, you guys, it makes a great gift. It comes in this gorgeous packaging. It is shocking how fancy. Mike and I were shocked. We were like, what is this? Wait, it's a sauce? I can dip things in it? This is the best. So you guys see for yourself why Truff is the biggest hot sauce on Instagram and TikTok. Get 10% off site-wide when you use promo code TCO at Truff.com. That's 10% off everything, including the white Truff VIP box and Truff variety pack. I'm not joking. Makes a great gift, you guys. Just shop at Truff.com. That's T-R-U-F-F. F as in fantastic.com and use promo code TCO. Honestly, what an unexpected gift that would be. Can you imagine you get like a fancy hot sauce for Christmas? Who doesn't want that? Don't tell my dad, but I'm going to get him some. He would love this. Yes. Mom, don't tell him. I know yeah. you're listening. <laughs> So the point is, the one thing this doctor tells us is that Joanne has all these bruises on her arm, but the bruises are on the same shoulder she carries the purse on, and the purse was also torn a little bit. This is the condition it was in when we got the purse back from the police. It's ripped. There's a big hole where the rip was. My mom always had her purse on her left shoulder like this. And she had contusions on her upper left arm, which is the same place that she carried her purse. So Michelle is saying like that right there is evidence enough of foul play. She's saying she thinks somebody came up behind her mom as she was getting into the car, like ripped the bag, like pulled the bag hard enough that it created like contusions on the shoulder and ripped the bag. And I don't know about that. Like, I I understand that that should be looked into. I understand that. Sure. But like when we see the cop on the the stand and being questioned like why didn't you consider that evidence of a crime and he's like well the bag wasn't ripped on the strap it was ripped somewhere random on the purse you know Mm -hmm. and also like it wasn't pulled hard enough to break a latch or to break anything like actually break off the purse I just don't think you can pull a purse hard enough to like create bruising in a shoulder yeah I'm trying to visualize it right so if you're pulling it I feel like before anything the purse would slide off the shoulder before it ripped or before it was pulled down in a way now On the other hand, though, I happen to know that women and a lot of moms carry purses that are way too heavy for them all the time. Totally. And Joanne was like a little lady. So that's true. And that purse is gigantic. So she seems like one of those women who is just has like everything. She's one of those like the moms that like Michael Scott's like, you're a mom. You have like snacks in your purse, right? Like (laughs) Joanne had like her whole life in that thing. And it was really big. And it's what she always had. So I also wouldn't be surprised if like that was just like a bra strap bruise or just something from carrying this really, really heavy bag, but I still think the cops should have tested it for DNA, but that's just me. And that is enough evidence to say, like, maybe a crime was committed here. The other thing, too, though, about Joanne, just knowing Michelle as well as I do, Joanne strikes me as the kind of woman who, like, if she thought she was being mugged, she's gonna grab that purse strap and fight for her fucking life with it. So, like, uh-huh. maybe there was bruising because she, like, didn't just let it go. Like, she turned around and, like, tried to fight the guy off. Like, that's all possible, too. Right, right. Yeah, and they we're also learning, too, like, when they found Joanne, her car keys were found zipped up in her coat pocket. Like everything was zipped up. And her coat itself was zipped all the way up. And Michelle is saying, my mom would never have done that. Now, what bothers me about that is that everything was zipped up. Her coat pockets were zipped up. Her jacket was zipped up to her chin. That didn't make sense because she never zipped up her jacket. 
It's not something she would have done. So I have one thought on all of this. Okay. My only thought about Joanne going into the water on her own, possibly, and then some weird accident happening. So the two things that are missing, her cell phone and a rosary. Mm -hmm. We never see the rosary again. Right. Is there any chance that Joanne was over there for any reason and like the rosary fell into the water and she was going down to get it and she fell in somehow and died? Like that's the only thing I can think that makes any sense as to why she would have put herself in the water. Yeah, because she did. And another thing, I'm sorry, I'm going back to the boot, but it totally, it's relevant. <laughs> why would we risk this other woman's life with the stiletto right. heels if we spent the first 10 minutes of this episode focusing on the butt prints? Right. So, like, if you're right. scooting yourself down this hill to get something important, maybe? Yeah. And then you slipped and fell and something horrible happened. But I feel like, wouldn't that show up in the test that the doctor did? Am I crazy? Yeah, it's the only thing I can think of because Michelle theory is that somebody pulled the purse off the mom and then shoved the mom into the car and then drove her down towards Detroit, rendered her unconscious or killed her mm -hmm. and then put her body in the river there and then drove the car back to the church. That seems to be the most likely scenario. The only other like she went into the water on her own thing I could see happening was like she was going in to get something. But uh -huh. again, she would have had to have crossed those four lanes. Like there's no reason for her to have been over there. Earlier in the episode, so Kelly goes, not my mom. Yeah, She's hell like, no. <laughs> and again, we'll get into this more in a minute, but like, there was no reason for her to kill herself. No. Like, there's no reason for her to kill herself. Why would you even think that? So it's time for some family drama. <laughs> we got some family drama. And look, I know. I have a ton of it in my life. I understand <laughs> siblings who hate each other. I'm an only child, but I know <laughs> siblings in my family who are garbage. Because Michelle is going to tell us her suspects. The cops literally asked Michelle for a list the suspects and she's like I thought you'd never ask girl let me tell you in my version of it Michelle just walks right up and says and slam here are the suspects <laughs> they didn't ask she she told and because she's like well right off the bat I told police to look at my father and I'm like record scratch what <laughs> I know. Michelle I know. and she's like yeah they were married 25 years they split up because Joanne was fed up which I love I hate that she was fed up but I love that she was like yeah. peace out totally so the dad was like super angry that Joanne left him and <laughs> Michelle's like I wasn't 100% sure but I put him on the list as suspect number one just for good measure I know Michelle I don't think Michelle and her dad are very close if I had to guess no and the, the and FBI <laughs> Bill is here and he's like yeah we cleared the dad like he's <laughs> <laughs> like, the, he, like, hush tone. Yeah. Like, don't, I, yeah. that's suspect number one. Don't tell Michelle, but like, the dad's, the dad's like garbage, I guess, but like, we totally cleared him. Yeah. Totally. And then Michelle's like, ahem, my second suspect yeah. is my mother's brother, John, the one who you've been talking to for the last hour and a half. What the what? Twist! I don't think he did anything, but I thought that there could have been people out to get John, and it could have been a revenge on my mom because of him. John has a interesting past, a lot of business deals that hadn't gone right, and a lot of people that he allegedly owed money to. So she thinks he's wrapped up in this somehow. Yeah, because we learn from John himself, he's like, yeah, girl. Well, in 2009 and 10, I was struggling financially. The real estate depression hit. It was awful for everybody that had any real estate liabilities at all. So I owed a lot of money to certain people 
people. John was in the real estate game. And when the market crashed, he lost a ton of money. And I guess I only know this from Fear City, but I guess everybody who works in construction is connected to the mafia. Because he's saying, like, he owed a ton of people a lot of money. And John says this so fucking matter-of-factly, like, right to Sky Borgman's face. He's like, It's possible that someone I had dealings with could have murdered Joanne. I can't control that. Sorry that this happened, no matter what. Wish, wish they would have done this to me. I can't control that girl. That stopped me in my tracks. I know. I was like, I John, John, what are you saying? And he's like, I'm sorry this happened, but like, I don't know. I mean, that is just fucking bananas. Like, John, like, you seem like not a super emotional guy. I get it. But like, you gotta find a way. Of, like, no one thinks you did it, but you sound like a heartless dick. You sound like you don't actually give a fuck that your sister's dead, probably because of like your bad business dealings. And it's yet another thing that he he didn't act on in the moment. Like if you right. think that you might know someone connected to your sister's murder, you call up one of the seven people Michelle hired or one of the cops and you just say like, okay, all right, all right. So I know this guy and we had this fight and maybe like he's a bad enough guy that he would try to hurt me through my sister. Like, I don't know, yeah. but whatever. And he didn't do any of that until Unsolved Mysteries came and now he's acting like a dick. I don't like it. Right. <laughs> I don't like it. Sometimes people in these documentaries just don't care how they come off and that baffles me, girl. It baffles me, girl. It baffles me too. I don't get it. <laughs> so now we're at the top of Michelle's list. Her number one suspect is her cousin, Tim, who's a cop. Tim is a first cousin of my mom. There is an estranged relationship between Tim and my mom. We had a big family, a big loving family. But as soon as my grandma had passed in 1994, the family just started falling apart. This is where I wrote in big red letters, Michelle gives no fucks and is spilling all the tea. <laughs> I, uh... Michelle, you're talking about people that you think had your mother murdered and you don't care. You're just naming all the names, girl. I love you. I felt, uh, I really like Michelle, especially in this moment. <laughs> I'll say that. So Tim is Joanne's first cousin. They had a terrible relationship. And this happens all the time. I know from experience. Yeah. When their grandmother died in 1994, like everything went to shit. Siblings were suing each other over wills and estates. And that happens all the time. I had to look it up because I was like, we only see one shot of the grandma and she's like in a house dress looking like any normal middle-class person. You guys, the estate was worth $20 million. Yeah. And it was supposed to be divided equally amongst like all the children. So six ways. How did they get their money, girl? Where did that money come from? I don't know, but also I'm thinking, I think maybe because it hits too close to home. What are you fighting about if you all get it equally? I know. You know, you get less money right. if you fight about it with the lawyers. Just take the money and run and then hit but each other from afar with their gigantic <laughs> bank accounts. It's so much easier. But I feel like that's what happened. I feel like whoever the executor was wasn't dividing the money properly. Right. And then that's where this shit all goes wrong. Why do people do that? Just divide the money. But why can they do that? Right. If it's in the will that they should all be, you know what I mean? Like, why yeah. can someone say, well, actually? Right. Like, what's the point of a will then? Exactly. I don't know anything. Jo anyway. <laughs> So, but right before Joanne disappears, she and Tim have this gigantic fight on the phone. And we learn like through people who overheard it, like Michelle was kind of in the room and she was like, my mom was screaming at Tim saying like, how did you get my number? Never contact me again. Leave me and my family alone. And then she like hangs up and she's like, oh, she's all upset. And she turns to Michelle and according to Michelle says, if something bad happens to me, it was Tim. So either Joanne is like kind of like me and kind of dramatic or there's like some serious shit 
background story we're not getting on how crazy this family is. Yeah. Like, that's a crazy thing to say about somebody that you're related to. But then again, Michelle, who I love, and I honestly, like, she's a hero. She's the hero of the story. But it's like, when someone says that to you, what are you supposed to do? Like, how do you make it so that that person then can't kill your mother? I know. I know. I don't know what the next step is either, but I'd like to know so that we can save a couple lives. If anyone knows, please advise. DM. You can help solve the mystery. Yes. We can never have another episode of Unsolved Mysteries ever again. And the other thing that the PI from the FBI says... I did speak with uh, Timatook, and uh, I found him to be credible. I didn't find anything that would indicate that he had anything to do with her disappearance. He's like, look, this guy Tim is a total fucking dirtbag, but I did talk to him, and I found him credible. Like, I did not find any evidence that he was involved in this, and that just brings it back to, like, then fucking who? I know, because... and the, the, like Sky! Sky, uh, you didn't do it. I'm just saying, like, I know. it helps. It helps to get it out somehow. And sometimes I just totally. have to yell at it. somebody. I'm sorry, Sky. So FBI Bill clears Tim, yeah. the cousin or whatever. The cops don't think there's any foul play here at all. FBI Bill has zero answers. So and it cuts back to FBI Bill and he's looking at me and I'm thinking, are we going to learn something here? And Bill goes, all the facts that I've obtained through my interviews indicate to me that I really can't determine. I can't determine whether she took her own life or whether it was done through other criminal means. So when you really get right down to it, we have no idea what happened, girl. Yeah. If she took her own life, did she die through other means? Nobody ever really knows, girl. (laughs) And Bill literally says, like, I feel like he says to me, Patrick, girl, did you forget this is called Unsolved Mysteries, girl? (laughs) I was going to say, FBI Bill is here to say, you know what you press play on, right? You know what you're watching? This is the second to last episode of the new reboot of Unsolved Mysteries on Netflix. You've watched 11 of these, girl. What do you think? How do you think it's going to go this time, girl? Every single time I think we're going to find out what happened. We don't. Oh, never. We never know. We never find out. Ugh. So we end with some on-screen text and Michelle and her family sued the city of Gross Point Farms and additional defendants who, I don't know, I don't- for conspiracy <laughs> to cover up Joanne's murder because now they think that because they were deeming it a suicide that that was part of a cover-up to not actually get to the bottom of it. Yeah. And it was dismissed by all the courts and the U.S. District Attorney Judge also stipulated that there are disputed facts in this matter and there are very disturbing parts of this case but to this day, it remains unsolved. Thanks. <laughs> great job, everybody. But I really mean that, Michelle. You did great. Oh my God. Episode 11 of Unsolved Mysteries. Girl, we did it. Sky, great job. Great episode, girl. Great job. I mean, I hope the family can really get some kind of closure and feel like, okay about this somehow. I just like, I know. It's so tragic. God. It's fucking terrible. You guys, to get more Jillian and me in your lives, join us on the Patreon. Over 150 full bonus episodes to download and binge right this second. Everything from Don't F with Cats and Tiger King and All Be Gone in the Dark and uh, The Vow. The Vow, Fear City, Making a Murderer, The Jinx. We did that podcast at one time, the first season of Serial. Yep, it's called Serial. I don't know if you true crime fans have heard of a podcast called Serial. But we covered it. We did that. It's ad-free versions of these episodes, after parties, quarantine check-ins, so much stuff over there on the Patreon. You guys know where to find it. It's endless, really. It's true. It's endless. Whether you think that's a good thing or not, that's up to you. But there's a lot of stuff there. A lot of hours for you. Tell the people where they can find us, girl. They can find us at truecrimeobsessed.com that has our calendar and the merch and, you know, our episodes. And you can find us at True Crime Obsessed on Twitter. That's Obsessed with no E-D. And True Crime Obsessed Podcast on Instagram. And they can find you at 
Jillian with a G on all the things. I'm at Patrick Hines underscore in the Instagram, at Patrick Hines on Twitter. I'm loving you, girl. Loving you. All right, you guys. We'll see you next week. We'll see you. Thanks for hanging with us. All right, bye. Maybe we'll solve it one day, right? <laughs> Someday. Can you just let me have it? Just <laughs> let me have it. That one day it'll be solved. I need it. <laughs> I need this. We're going to do it for this. GP, you guys. Just let me have it. <laughs> bye. <laughs> My Sky impression. I dragged it up to yeah, that's that's exact. Oh, it's almost like Sky is here with us. She, Sky, has never raised her voice above a whisper in her life. <laughs> no, she is. She is not you. She is not me. You should have seen the two of us working on a project together. It was something to behold. The purse is ugly. And that's okay. Yeah, that's no, that doesn't. We're not saying anything bad about Joanne or no, Michelle. No, 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 no. The opposite. It's just, it's just not our style, yeah, and that's okay. Exactly. Do we have style? No. no. But it doesn't matter. <laughs> 